Today's episode is brought to you by Canvas. Do you know how long it takes you to measure and model an as-built? Probably more time than you'd like. Canvas replaces hours of manual measuring with a few minutes of scanning with your iPhone or iPad. And Canvas eliminates the hours, if not days, of taking your measurements and turning them into a 3D as-built or 2D floor plan, all for pennies per square foot. You can try Canvas for free and download it at www.canvas.io and make sure to use promo code BF23. That's www.canvas.io and promo code BF23. All right, now back to the show. Hey, I'm Spencer Powell, and welcome to Remodeler Stories, where we highlight remodelers. Every remodeler has a unique story and journey, and we can all learn from each other. Stay tuned for a mix of inspiration, tactical tips, unique strategies, and some laughter. The remodeling business is tough, but rewarding, and we're all in this together. Let's kick this thing off. Before we get into today's show, let's talk about our show sponsor, Remodeler Growth Community. Remodeler Growth Community is a peer-to-peer networking group exclusively for remodelers. For a low monthly fee, you get access to some of the best minds in the industry, life-changing business strategies, and the ability to connect and learn from people who've walked the path you walk. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. 100% satisfaction guaranteed or your money back, so there's absolutely no risk to you. Go to remodelercommunity.com to enroll today. Today, I sit down with Paul McManus of McManus Kitchen and Bath. Paul studied architecture at the University of Florida, and one of his key takeaways from that study was how the design of a space could change the way you feel and even the way you live. Paul has traveled to more than 38 countries across the globe and has inspired and shaped his worldview and his design aesthetic. Now for my conversation with Paul McManus. Hey, Paul, welcome to Remodeler Stories. Hey, Spencer, nice to see you. Yeah, likewise. We'll give everyone a little bit of context. Who are you? What's the company? And where are you guys located? We're in Tallahassee, Florida, which is right in the elbow of Florida, if you want to think of it that way. My name is Paul McManus. I own McManus Kitchen and Bath. We're a design-build remodeling company. So we have our own showroom, in-house designers, project managers. We focus mostly on, obviously, kitchen, bath, and a whole home remodeling. Right on. Yeah. And how did you get into all this? When did it all start? You know, for me, it started in college. It wasn't really a grand plan, but in college, I went to work for a painting contractor. Then about a year into me working for him, I became a foreman. And quite right after I became a foreman, he went out of business. He had some personal issues. He felt terrible. So he said, hey, you can have my equipment. I don't need it anymore. And so I just started my own painting company. You know what I mean? Oh, wow. like I- Knew how to do it. So I was just like, well, I did that for the last couple of years of college, worked mostly weekends and whatnot. After college, tried my hand at a couple of jobs, just couldn't, didn't, didn't really find anything. Went back to the painting company and the rest is history. Over time, I just, you know, ran a painting company for a while. Then I started doing handyman work. Then I started doing a little more serious, you know, handyman work. Then I decided to go get my contractor's license. And then, yeah. Grew and grew and grew. In 2015, I adopted the design build model. So we opened the showroom and all that 2015. So I kind of consider the genesis of the current company to have started in 2015. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so when was it when you 
said you tried to find a couple of jobs, but then you kind of came back to the to the painting. What time frame was that? That would have been 98, 99, 2000. And so you did like painting handyman for several years or how long did that last? For a long time, yeah. Okay. And, I, and I waffled for a long time between doing it all myself. I loved doing it all myself because I was young. I didn't like, you know, I didn't have a grand plan for the future. I liked that I could work when I wanted to work and I could just shut it down when I wanted. So I traveled a lot, you know, I did whatever. And I would just show back up, tell people I was back in town and I would get work. I didn't need a high volume. So I really loved that. And I did that for a long time. I probably did that until 2006-ish, 2006, took a big break, joined the, sorry, I got my timeline right, joined the Peace Corps, was in the Peace Corps for a few, three, four years. Came back from the Peace Corps, back to the company, ran it basically the same way, but then was older, a little wiser and said, I can't do this for the rest of my life. I need to get something more serious going. Went and got my contractor's license. But then 2007, 2008, I joined a, I'm a huge cyclist or I was a huge mountain biker. I joined a bicycle tour company where I learned about when I was on a tour of my own. I joined that company, International Bicycle Tour Company, ran bicycle tours until 2012 or 13. So kind of shut the company down again. <laughs> Said I was going to get serious, shut the company down, and then went running bicycle tours for three or five years. Gotcha. Uh, <laughs> awesome experience. Never traded it for anything. Came back in 2013. That's when I stopped doing that. Then I really had to get serious. Uh, <laughs> and that's and that kind of led to the beginning of McMahon's Kitchen and Bath as it is now, design, build, remodeling. That's so, cool. Yeah. So 2013 was kind of the the real official start. Like I'm I'm getting serious about this. That's, that's when I looked at my bank account and said, you know, retirement's not that far away, and I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Just stop messing around. That's cool. So so how long was it before you made your first hire? You know, let's see. That's a good question. I probably so I started back up in 2015. We didn't open the showroom right away. I ran it myself. Probably my first hire was late 2015. I would probably say I would have hired a project manager 2015, 2016. Then I kind of grew from there. I probably went through, man, I bet I went through four or five project managers in like a five or six month time period because I had no idea how to hire, what qualities I was looking for. I didn't really have an idea how to manage people. I expected everyone to be like me, you know, gung ho, hardworking could figure things out super quick. And of course, that's not the case, as you probably well know. So it's 2016 into 2017, a real struggle, learning curve. I mean, business was good. I read a book in 2015. Yeah, you know, everyone knows it, Markup and Profit. And that just changed the game for me because now suddenly I knew, I had a very good idea of how to charge, which I never knew before. That really changed the game. I always tell people, you know, money solves a lot of problems. You know, if you're struggling in your business, step one is charging up. As soon as you do that, you can make tons of mistakes, you know, and, but you've got the money to sort of as a you know, cushion there, you know, go out of business. So that was a big game changer. And probably 2017, mid 2017, we opened the showroom and then I hired a designer. And then I had a good designer, good project manager. And then it really started to take off because my time was freed up. You know, I'll probably still work in 80 hours a week because there's still a lot to do, but I could focus on things to grow the company, not the design and project management. 
Yeah, I think a lot of people get stuck in that, you know, delivery, the delivery of the work, and then you can't do anything to move the business forward because you're just always executing. And then you run out of work, and then you got to go find more work, and then it just is that that cycle. It, it can become a vicious cycle. Yeah. Yeah, that's cool. I guess in thinking about some of those first few years, you know, you mentioned like churning through a bunch of project managers. Like, what other things did you kind of learn the hard way in those first? One to three years. I got to tell you, managing people was my single biggest, always been my single biggest struggle. Process for me is is very straightforward. Like I'm very, I'm pretty good at developing processes, writing them down. That's certainly a strength. We adopted Builder Trend project management software very early. I started using it when I was, you know, working solo in 2015, and so that helped us just dial in all the processes we needed as we grew. So that's been pretty easy, but it's always been managing people, setting expectations, keeping people happy, you know, holding them to account while at the same time giving them room to grow and learn. You know, I tend to be a bit of a, a hard ass, you know what I mean? And I feel have to learn to soften over time. That's always been the hardest part for me is the is the people. And I feel like I'm finally getting, you know, decent at it. But it's been a long road of making mistakes. I've lost a few good people. You know, I've gotten rid of a lot of bad people, but I've lost a a few good people over the years that I wish I could have kept. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a challenge in that balance between, yeah, like kind of holding feet to the fire, but also giving grace and allowing for growth and knowing that everyone's at different stages of their personal growth journey and Mm -hmm. they're not where you are. And so, yeah, it's, it's challenging for sure. (laughs) That's super challenging, especially when, you know, your name's on a sign and the work's it's happening is, you know, it all comes back to you. And, you know, it's easier, the bigger you get, the easier. It's the hardest when you're small. When you only have two people, that is absolutely when it's the hardest because there's no time. I need you to perform today. I don't have time to, you know, let you shadow someone for six months or a year. You know, you just, you don't have the bandwidth or the capacity. You're too small. Now that we're at like, you know, seven or eight people, you know, I can hire a project manager today and say, all you're going to do for three months is shadow that other guy. And we can do that. And that makes it much easier. So some of it, I think, is on me. Some of it, I just think, is a reality of, of, you know, growing. It's just hard. Yeah, I think that's a good point. There are definitely some things that at scale are a lot easier. And yeah, you have more people that they can shadow, but you also have more resource. So you can invest in somebody for three months to shadow them. Or at the beginning, you you can't really afford to do that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, one a big mistake, and it's not, I don't know if it's a mistake or it's just the reality of it is, you know, you, you're hiring someone when you, the demand for them is you, re, you really need them. You're at your absolute wit's end. You can't do any more on your own. And that's when you decide to hire. Worst time to hire. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> absolute worst possible scenario. You know, the, ideally, you're hiring someone three, six, eight months before you need them. That math can be very hard to predict. Yeah. It's very scary. You know, I'm always worried. I want to hire someone, and then in six months, you know, the economy turns or something weird happens, and now I got to fire them. You know, hiring is a big responsibility. I don't want to hire people and then have to let them go. So it's all, you're always looking ahead, trying to predict: Do I really need this person? We've developed a rule where that's worked over time. Of we make sure we have three to six months' salary for someone in a bank account saved before we hire them. And that allows you to hire them and not worry about their, you know, onboarding and training, you know, and business. So business does happen to take a dip. You're not like, oh, I got to fire this person right away. You can, you know, you can 
got through it. Again, having money, you know, charging correctly, having that cash just helps a ton. Yeah. Stuff. Hey guys, I know that if you listen to Builder Funnel Radio, you are hyper aware of the fact that the way people shop and buy, it's changed dramatically over the years. And for the last 10 years, really since I started doing all this, helping my uncle's remodeling division scale up from about 2 million to 10 million, We've been helping remodelers and builders and contractors all over the country really refine their marketing systems. And I recently decided to kind of bottle all of that up into my first book. And that book is called The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. And you can pick up a copy by going to the website, remodelermarketingblueprint.com. You can also search for it on Amazon or wherever books are sold online. But I highly recommend you go over to the website because we've got some cool book bonuses that go along with that if you pick up a few extra copies for your friends and colleagues or your teammates. So it would mean a lot to me if you've been listening to this podcast for a while or even just a few episodes, if you've ever gotten any value out of it, head over to remodelermarketingblueprint.com and snag your copy today. All right, let's get back to the show. Well, in thinking about just your entire journey as an entrepreneur, it's certainly a different career path than than a lot of people take. What do you think has been one of the most surprising things about starting a business, running a business, growing a business? Mm, Good question. I don't know if it's surprising as much as the reason for running the business for me has just evolved continually over time. It always changes. I used to love you know what I really loved what kept me in it from the beginning was I loved working with my hands. You know what I mean? I love the physical nature of the job. I like sweating. I like creating something. You know, the end result was good. I wasn't too worried about design. I was just doing what my clients asked me to do. I didn't really think that was important, you know. And then over time, that thought process changed. I started understanding more about whole home design and how important it is that things don't just build well, but they are designed well so that they're ergonomic and there's a flow and they can stand the test of time. And so those things became important to me. And then I, now I've sort of gotten to a place where I don't think about those either of those things much anymore, but I'm laser focused on staff growth and development. You know, and that's become a new joy in the business for me. And I, you know, I find the other stuff now kind of tedious. You know what I mean? Like, it's just weird. That was, used to be my absolute favorite thing was being out in the field and doing that work. And now I kind of find that a little tedious. I'm more focused on other things. So it's just really the personal growth alongside the business growth has probably been the, you know, something I wouldn't have predicted. Yeah. Yeah. It's interesting as you were describing that. I, I feel like I feel similarly about just, yeah, we're doing like doing the task of the, you know, industry you're in versus like growing the business and then helping your team execute on, you know, the tasks right. and just that. Yeah, thing to think about that evolution, and it probably makes sense. It's a natural evolution that you would, you know, as you grow, then you're focused on other things, and you kind of either lose interest or these things just become more exciting because you kind of mastered some of those other things, and so this is new, and so you've got to master that new, new yeah, thing. Yeah. It's it's interesting to run a business when you're no longer an expert in delivering the service of that business anymore. Like for you, I'm sure marketing and website building, you're probably a fantastic 
ads guy, website guy, or whatever at one point. Now I'm sure there are things you don't know that your team does know. But they execute and you have different... Same, same with me. Like, 100%. My designers will ask me questions, technical questions about it. And I was like, I don't know. You got to ask the project manager that. I don't do that. <laughs> and it feels a little weird, you know, because, you know, yeah. I always pride myself on that knowledge. No, that's cool. Well, hey, any uh, any like wild client stories or crazy projects over the years? Anything you can think of? Obviously, you can leave out personal details and that sort of thing. But you know, you don't want to call someone out on a national yeah. podcast. Well, it's it's up to you. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> no, I would, never, I would never do that. I don't know about wild. We've had some bad clients over the years. The I can't think of a crazy client story to be honest. I don't really want to tell a bad client story. We all have those, you know, just unrealistic expectations, that yeah. kind of stuff. But I don't know about wild. Or it could be like just something unique or different that just you don't run into every day. I'm sorry, man. I'm drawing a blank. <laughs> That's all good. Yeah. It, oh, usually usually they either click instantly yeah. or or maybe there isn't really anything. Yeah, I'd so. love to be able to tell like a, just an outrageous story or something fun, but I guess we're pretty run-of-the-mill over here. Don't have anything else. <laughs> Uh, it's all good. Well, if you think it's something, we can come back to it. But uh, I'm curious, what does the the future look like for you? It sounds like, I mean, you've really making some, made some big like adjustments and pivots over the years, but now it feels like you're finding your way, but I'm sure you have plans for the future. So what does that look like? Yeah, we're in a good place. So the plans for the future could really go for us in a couple directions with status quo, you know, in just small, you know, 10 percent growth year over year, I'd be fine with that. You know, slowly put, I still play a pretty big role in the day-to-day. Like I do all the initial sales. I do, I, I kind of oversee all production. You know, I manage the project managers. So one path is just hand those duties over, hire some people, you know, step away more and the company kind of runs as is, which I would be fine with. And that's an attractive path. That would free me up. I really want to build new homes at some point. Mm. but very kind of different. I don't want to build one of the building homes. I want, I want to do it. I want to build all my energy into it, really build something special. So that's one idea. It's not the business run itself. I'll have you know an income from that business. So I won't worry too much about starting a new business and developing income right away. So that's attractive. But the other idea is to buy some land and create a plaza. This was a dream. This is a pre-COVID dream. This was always the initial dream and have a big, you know, McMahon's kitchen and bath design center showroom, but then in the plaza have, you know, warehouse and office space and fill those with all of our subcontractors Mm. and then kind of, so we, and then centralize the sort of communication planning. So we would provide conference room for the subs. We could provide phone services. We could answer the phones for them and schedule for them, you know, and we could create, they're all independent businesses, but all lumped together. I find that idea super attractive. I think because we can provide a lot of value to our... We're super good at the communication and planning. Whereas you're probably aware a lot of subcontractors just... That's not their strength. So I would kind of love to be able to provide that. I feel like we could create a real you know, behemoth you know, of remodeling and home services. You know, sort of what, like a Home Depot, but for the trades. Yeah. Kind of, kind of concept. Yeah. That'd be cool. Yeah, pretty cool ecosystem there. And yeah, I'm, it would certainly separate you and your market in terms of positioning and everything too. So yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. So that's there's sort of two paths there, depending on how ambitious I'm feeling on any given day. <laughs> I haven't committed to either yet. Before COVID, I was gung ho on the plaza concept, and then COVID just we basically stopped planning during COVID. We just said there's too many unknowns. We're just gonna you know continue with the status quo, wait until things start to settle. Now they're starting to settle, and now I need to decide which direction to go. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure those the, those two paths look a little different. So I'm sure you'll, yeah. <laughs> you'll have to pick one eventually. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. you know, one week I'm full of energy and things are going well. And I'm like, yeah, Plaza. The next week I'm like, you know what? This is a drag. <laughs> I'm just going to step away and let it run itself. Yeah. Oh, so, man. Yeah. That's the life of the entrepreneur, I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, well, obviously the industry's gone through through a lot in the last couple of years. What do you see as like the big challenges that we need to be looking at heading into 2023 or maybe even 2024? I'm hoping for not too many challenges. I'm hoping for a return to normal. Like, it seems like we're heading in that direction. I see lead times coming down. I see shipping costs coming down. You know, I'm not seeing anything big on the horizon. Obviously, perhaps the downturn, economic downturn is coming, but I don't know how hard it will impact the remodeling and home building industry because of nationwide inventory shortages and stuff like that. So I feel like we're probably due for a good run. You know, it's kind of my opinion. I think business will be strong for the next, into next year and the year after. That's kind of my personal opinion, but you never know. I mean, I didn't predict COVID by any means either. <laughs> yeah. I don't think too many people saw that coming. So <laughs> not only not see it coming, but then did, even once it came, did not see that it would actually turn out to be a fantastic period of growth for most, you know, remodeling companies and contractors and trades. You know, we were terrified, you know, in the beginning that, well, this is it. You yeah, know, this yeah. is 2008 all over again, but it turned out to be the exact opposite. Yeah. Everybody kind of froze for about 60 days there. It was just like, what's going to happen? <laughs> so. Yeah. And that's what really threw us for a tizzy because then we just, we didn't want to plan. And there were too many unknowns up in the air. We just didn't want to plan anything. We were just happy to be having business and just wanted to maintain that. I just kept banking money, waiting for the, you know, other shoe to drop. So, but that's turned out to be good. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Well, Paul, wrap us up. There's other remodeling business owners listening. One piece of advice or final words of wisdom, anything you want to leave us with? I'd say if you're all the advice you can give remodeling all depends on what stage you are in your business. There's so many different approaches to doing this. And I find myself getting in arguments with people all the time, but, oh, you got to do it this way or this way. And it's not that either of us is wrong. It's just we're all at different points and we all need different things at different points. So it's just about understanding where you are and then prioritizing from there. For me, step one, we already mentioned this, is know your numbers and make money, you know, and make a lot of it. Don't be afraid to make People say 8% profit. Okay, but why not 15? Why not 20? Like, don't shortchange yourself. The way I look at it is the more money we make, the better able we are to serve our clients. That's a good thing. So, but if you've got that dialed in, if that's, you know, a strength of yours, man, people, I think it's all about people. You got to get as good as you can at being a leader and managing and growing the talents of people you hire and work for you. Yeah. Yeah. Great advice. Well, Paul, thanks so much for spending the time and sharing your story with us today. Yeah, man. It was a pleasure. Good to see you again. Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for tuning in to Remodeler Stories. Don't forget to subscribe to the show and leave us a review. 
Every month we pick a winner and send out a free copy of my book, The Remodeler Marketing Blueprint. Just leave a review over on iTunes to enter to win. See you next time.